calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. You're listening to Inherited Danger, book two of the Dawning of Power trilogy, a podcast novel written and read by Brian Rathbone. For more information, maps, and additional downloads, visit brianrathbone.com. Thank you for listening. Chapter 21 The souls of heroes are forged by the gods and tempered with the pain of life. Matteo Derzinger, Prophet Ravenhold proved to be an impressive sight, Larger than the master house and constructed with far more decorative appeal, it appeared to have been built more for show than strength. The land surrounding it was fancifully landscaped, and even in the dead of winter there was color everywhere, from the scarlet berries on the holly trees to the orange and yellow leaves of the sprawling oaks. Rose bushes lined the roadway, and Katrin knew they must be gorgeous in springtime. Despite its beauty, the place filled her with dread. She was but a simple farm girl. There was no place for her here. The grand facade included bas-reliefs and statuary, and all of it lent to the air of superiority, as if the people who dwelt there were of a higher race. The closer they drew, the smaller Katrin felt, and it was a feeling she liked not one bit. Benjen tried to start a conversation a number of times, but her irritation would not allow for it. Instead, she brooded in oppressive silence. No one greeted them at the gate except stable hands, and Millie instructed them to follow her. Maurice shadowed them, and Katrin cast him baleful glances, but he ignored her completely. A subtle sidestep nearly tripped him, and she smiled. Ignore that. He didn't lay a hand on her, but the look in his eye conveyed his thoughts. As they climbed the wide marble stair that led to a pair of oak doors twice Katrin's height, she forgot about Maurice and took in all the details. Carved from the white stone, a pair of roses presided over the entrance. They twined around one another, their thorns curved delicately away from the stems and the name Mangst was engraved in an arc over them. It seemed an arrogant display, but it was overshadowed by what lay within. 
Thick carpets covered the center of the wide halls, leaving only a couple of hand-widths of polished stone visible along the edges. The walls were adorned with likenesses of those she supposed were her ancestors, for they all bore the family resemblance. Small gold plates at the bottom of the portraits gave the names of those depicted, and Katrin tried to memorize each name as she passed them. There was a regal-looking man with gray hair over his ears, Rasmussen Mangst, and a stern-looking woman in her middle years, Marietta Mangst. Their stares seemed to follow her, accusing her of besmirching their name. She was a ragamuffin among nobility, and her leathers and homespun seemed rags amid the glory of these trappings. Millie led them to a side hall decorated with finely carved tables that bore elegant pottery and dried flowers, mostly roses. When she reached a set of oak doors, Millie ushered them inside. Please wait here while I alert the lady to your presence. I'll do no such thing, Katrin said, her hands on her hips. You've dragged me here against my will, and I'll either see the lady now or be on my way. Maurice crossed his arms over his chest, as if to bar her path, but Katrin pushed him out of her way. He glanced at Millie, obviously looking for direction, and she sighed. Very well. Suit yourself. I believe I'll do just that, Katrin replied. Millie jogged ahead, but Katrin refused to be rushed. She let Millie gain distance on them as she strode with feigned confidence through the hallowed halls of her ancestral home. She felt no more comfortable, but she refused to let her insecurity show. Maury followed them with a scowl, but she pretended he wasn't there. Instead, she acted as if she were the one who ruled this house. Benjen walked beside her and matched her step. He didn't appear happy about her outbursts, but he supported her nonetheless. They were in this together, for right or wrong, and she appreciated his not chastising her when it was obvious he didn't approve. A pair of young men in rose-embroidered livery flanked doors no smaller than those at the main entrance. Millie rushed toward them. The men did not stall her, and she scurried inside. When Katrin and Benjen arrived, however, they barred the way. Katrin did not attempt to force her way past the men, and instead stood in as regal a manner as she could muster. She listened intently, but could hear only muffled conversations at first. What? came a louder voice from inside. Here? Now? Why did you not leave them in an audience room? This was followed by more low conversation. The two young men exchanged puzzled glances, but remained at attention. Insisted, did she? Well, bring the whelp in. Let us see what she has to say for herself. Katrin heard the disdain in the lady's voice, and her mood worsened. Millie was pale and shaken when she reappeared, and she motioned for them to enter. Katrin waited a moment just for the sake of being contrary, and the two young men wore their shock on their faces. Let's not start things off badly, Lil Miss. 
We've been summoned, Benjen said, urging her inside. I'll enter when I'm good and ready, Katrin said, and a tense silence hung over the hall. After a very long moment, she strode into the room as if it were her own, and Benjen followed closely. So, Benjen Hawk, you darken my doorway once again, after all these years. What do you plan to steal this time? asked the elderly woman who waited inside. She was petite, and her skin hung on her like an overlarge garment, but her eyes bored holes into whatever met her stare. Lady Mangst, Benjen said with a slight bow, but he said no more, as if he had not heard her question. And who is this waif at your side? Someone posing as my granddaughter? Katrin Volker, lady, daughter of Wendell Volker and Elsa Mangst. He replied in a polite tone, even as Katrin's anger flamed higher. Do not speak that foul name in my presence. That man stole my daughter, and his get is not worthy of my name. If you wish to address my guardian, you will do so with respect. And with regards to my father, you are not fit to speak his name, for you would only foul it with your forked tongue, Katrin said as she stepped between Benjen and her grandmother. All the color drained from Millie's face, and she eased into the shadows, but the Lady Mangst drew herself up, and a fire to rival Katrin's burned in her eyes. Respect is earned, not given. Every creature deserves a basic amount of respect, Katrin replied, unless, of course, you consider yourself better than everyone else. Insolent child! Self-righteous wench! Katrin parried, and the air between them was charged with hostility. Now, ladies, surely we can be civil, Benjen interjected, and both women wheeled on him. Stay out of this! At least you two can agree on something, he mumbled as he took a step back. So what brings you here, sweetling? the Lady Mangst asked. Your serving woman dragged me here on threat of my life. I had no desire to come here. In fact, I believe I'll be leaving now, Katrin said as she turned to leave, but she was shocked to hear a slap echo through the room. She turned to see Millie with tears in her eyes, holding her hand to her face, and the Lady Mangst turned from Millie to face Katrin once again. You expect me to believe that you were not bound here anyway? Where else would you be headed? Adderhold, Katrin replied. The Lady Mangst spit on the floor. What would you want in that house of vipers and vermin? To worship idols, perhaps? I don't see where that is any of your business. I'm your grandmother. You certainly don't act like it. Katrin said, and she realized this argument would get them nowhere, but she refused to back down, refused to show weakness in the face of one so pious, and she was surprised to see her antagonist reappraise her. 
So you ask nothing of me? No coin, or lands, or titles? You do not claim your birthright? As I said before, I wouldn't have come at all if not for your underlings, Katrin replied, and she felt a little ashamed for being obstinate when her grandmother seemed to be warming to her, even if only slightly. I ask nothing of you but my freedom. The Lady Mangst said nothing for a few moments, as she considered Katrin's words. Benjen and Millie exchanged furtive glances, but Katrin ignored them all. Her thoughts were muddled by her emotions, and she struggled to focus. So much had happened in such a short time, and she felt she was reacting poorly rather than using the situation to her advantage. It was possible her family could aid her in her quest, if only she could prove herself in their eyes. You've not told me why you're traveling to Adderhold. May I ask why? The Lady Mangst asked in an almost conciliatory tone, but Katrin judged it genuine. I have no desire to worship the statue of Terhilion. I wish to destroy it. Her grandmother's eyes bulged. After a sharp intake of breath, she broke into a fit of coughing that threatened to claim her completely. Millie rushed to prepare her tea, but the spell passed long before the water was heated. Still, Millie brought her the tea, and she sipped it with tears in her eyes. Katrin could not tell if the tears were from the coughing or something else entirely, but she waited patiently for a response. I truly do not mean to be rude this time, but I must ask, what makes you think you're capable of such a thing? Though, before you answer, I will add that I think it a noble goal, and one I wish I could do myself. Katrin cast Benjen a querying glance, but he only shrugged in return. The decision was hers. I am not only your granddaughter. I am also the one they call the Herald of Istra. The statement brought on a new fit of coughing, and Millie looked as if she would faint. Benjen gave Katrin no indication as to his feelings on her decision, but it was done now, and she couldn't take her words back. She would simply have to live with the consequences. The Lady Mangst slowly recovered, and after sipping her tea, she met Katrin's gaze. You don't expect me to believe that, do you? She asked, and Katrin sensed no sarcasm. She decided to take no offense, and drew a breath to answer, but Benjen could no longer hold his tongue. Please don't ask her to prove her powers. It's far too dangerous, and I don't want to see anyone get hurt. It's not a problem, Benjen. I will do this for my grandmother as a sign of respect. Katrin said, and Millie nodded firmly, as if this were how it should be. Katrin closed her eyes and focused her mind on the one thing she shared in common with the lady, her mother. She focused on memories of her childhood, her mother's scent, the feeling of her gentle caress, the warmth of her embrace, the safety and security she had always felt in her mother's presence. All of these she poured into her meditation, not allowing the startled gasps to disturb her. 
She added the tinkling laughter and the love her mother had always shown for her and her father. Lastly, she added the sorrow, grief, and loss brought on by her mother's death. It was painful to recall, but she felt it necessary to convey the full truth. With the kindest and gentlest of intentions, she sent her focused thoughts to her grandmother. When she opened her eyes, she saw Millie kneeling on the floor, her jaw hanging slack. The Lady Mangst had her back to Katrin, but her shoulders shook, and her voice trembled with anguish when she finally spoke. Leave me now, I beg of you. Katrin was startled by the request, but the trembling of her grandmother's shoulders gave further evidence of the impact of her demonstration. Millie slowly drew herself up and motioned for them to follow her. Katrin and Benjen did so without question, for the lady's distress was plain to see, and they left her to grieve. My dear Elsa, why did you leave me? They heard her wail as the doors closed behind them. Katrin felt no joy at bringing her grandmother pain, and she walked in subdued silence. Millie wobbled as she walked. It was obvious that the day's revelations had been hard on her as well. I want to thank you for the kindness you showed Our Lady, despite your disagreements, and I apologize for my actions. I have wronged you, and I hope you'll forgive me, she said when she stopped before a set of doors. We all make mistakes. And since I have already forgiven you, I must ask you to forgive me for my insolence and rudeness. Had we met under better circumstances, I'm certain we could have been friends. It is kind of you to say, Lady Catrin, Millie replied, and Catrin felt she was sincere, though the title seemed ill-fitting. Please accept our hospitality. You'll find the apartments within well-appointed, and I'll attend to your needs personally. Your kindness is appreciated. You have my thanks, Katrin said, and Millie bowed deeply before her. I'll send for food and bathwater. Katrin nodded her thanks. Her efforts and emotions had taxed her, and she was grateful for the respite. Benjen joined her as she entered the apartments, and he whistled as he looked about. Millie has honored you by bringing us here, he said. If I'm not mistaken, these quarters are reserved for their most respected guests. Katrin was not surprised by his words, for the apartments were lavishly appointed. Deep carpets cushioned her feet, and beautiful works of art adorned the walls, depicting scenes of nature as only the most talented artists could render them. Elaborately carved chairs bore soft cushions, and a fire burned in the fireplace. Two doors led to private sleeping chambers that were not much smaller than the common room. Within she found a delightfully soft feather mattress, shrouded by a canopy of sheer material. Though the bed was inviting, Katrin could not bear the thought of soiling the linens. She needed a bath desperately. A parade of liveried servants arrived with steaming basins of water and washtubs that required four men apiece to carry. The men placed the tubs within the private rooms, and they filled them with water and rose petals before departing with respectful bows. Others followed with soft towels, robes, and a bounty of exotic foods. 
Katrin thanked them for their efforts, which seemed to confuse them more than anything, but she was truly grateful for the gifts. Heat soaked into her bones as she slid into the scented water, and she allowed herself to remain in the tub until the water had gone nearly cold. She dried her wrinkled skin with the plush towels and donned a robe that bore her family sigil. Sitting by the fire, she sampled the array of delicacies. Deep red wine cleansed her palate as she ate both sweet and salty, and soon her hunger was sated. Benjamin joined her, looking completely out of place in his robe, which made her giggle. But he ignored her jibes as he attacked the food with vigor. With surprising speed, they finished every morsel, and they settled into the cushions with their bellies full. The fire lulled Katrin into a deep trance, and she soon forgot about the bed as the chair cradled her like a pair of loving arms. When Millie returned, Katrin stirred from her stupor, and she was unsure if she had been sleeping or simply in a daze. The lady wishes to speak with you now. Will you follow me? Millie asked. I should dress first, Katrin said. You're fine as you are. The lady's private apartments are but a short walk from here. She followed Millie into the hall with Benjen in her shadow. True to her word, Millie led them only a short distance before they arrived at another grand entranceway, flanked by a pair of guards who nodded to Millie and immediately allowed them to enter. The apartments within were not much more grand than those provided to Katrin and Benjen, which only served to confirm the honor that had been granted to them. Come, my dear. Please sit beside me, and we'll let the fire warm our bones, the Lady Mangst said. As I grow older, the cold does pain me so. Katrin moved to the seat beside hers. Come, Benjen, do not be shy. I promise not to bite. This time. Benjen sat on the edge of a nearby chair, and Katrin was struck by the changes in her grandmother. She was no longer hostile, and Katrin sensed deep-seated pain, both physical and emotional. By the gods, the Lady Manx said, I don't know why you wear your hair so short, but you look exactly as your mother did at your age, more one of the boys than one of the girls. You have her look about you, but mostly it's in your eyes. After wiping away a tear, she turned to Benjen. Please, tell me how my daughter died. I'm very sorry. Elsa was murdered. In what manner? As far as we've been able to figure, it was a large dose of mother's root, concealed in sweet buns from the local bakery, which was run by Baker Hollis. I know of no reason he'd commit such an atrocity, but I mean to find out. The Kite family put him up to it. Of that I can assure you. Katrin's aunt was killed in the same horrible manner. They're a despicable lot, the Lady Mangst said. How did you know about my aunt's death? Katrin asked, confused. How would I not? I was by her side during the entire ordeal. Wait, I don't understand, Katrin said. My aunt died the same day as my mother, on the Godfist. 
How could you have been there? I'm very sorry, my dear. It seems you've lost two aunts to the kites. I assume you speak of your father's sister? His brother's wife, Catherine said. I had another aunt? Your mother's sister, Maritza. She was killed some fifteen years ago. It seems they've taken both of my daughters from me, but not before each bore me a granddaughter. You and your cousin Lissa are my only living descendants. I'm very sorry, lady, Catherine said, sincere. The pain of her mother's death had faded with time, but it was fresh for her grandmother, like an open wound, and now, knowing she had lost another aunt, made her heart ache. Please call me Grandma, if you would. That's what Lissa has always called me, and it would please me greatly if you would do the same. Thank you, Grandma. It must have been difficult for you, growing up without your mother. My father and Benjamin always cared for me, and I wanted for nothing, though I miss her dearly. Her grandmother raised an eyebrow and seemed to reappraise Benjamin. It would seem I owe you a great debt of gratitude, Benjamin Hawk. You and Wendell have raised my granddaughter as a fine and strong young woman. Wendell deserves more credit than I, but I did what I could, and I'd do it all again given the chance, he said, and the lady nodded, tears in her eyes. The darkness of these days has soured my disposition, and I was angry with Elsa. So many years she had been gone without a word. Now, of course, I understand the reason, though it makes it no easier to bear. I thank you for coming and for not leaving. You would have been entitled, given our treatment of you. Let's put all that behind us. I forgive you for any hostility you expressed, and I forgive myself for reacting poorly. I hope you'll do the same, Catherine said as she took her grandmother's hand in hers. Yes, dear, of course, she responded, patting Catherine's hands lightly. Now tell me, how do you plan to destroy the statues of Terhilion? Statues? Catherine said, swaying in her chair. You didn't know. I'm sorry to give such dire news, but a second statue has been discovered in the Westland. Catherine sat back heavily in her chair as the desperation clutched her, and she found it difficult to breathe. What had started as a nearly impossible quest had just become completely hopeless. There was no way she could destroy two statues. She wasn't sure if she could even disarm one of them. She cradled her head in her hands as a cloud of doom threatened to crush her under its weight. I don't know, Grandma. I honestly don't. When I heard of the first statue, I simply had to try. But now, now I see no hope at all. Nonsense, child. There's always hope. That concludes this episode of Inherited Danger. Thank you for listening. For the latest news and new releases, be sure to check out patioracket.com.